Um, it is also recognizing um, how do those of us who are not part of um, communities uh, be able to allow the space for people to take up um, their own ways of identity uh, that aren't necessarily the ways that we would agree or maybe feel comfortable with. And so I so appreciate, Star, thank you for sort of sharing your experience. And, um, you know, again, thinking about terms like crazy and uh, mad and definitely for individuals who are reclaiming that language as part of their own identity um, are very clear about the fact that I need to be able to, it's not up to you feeling like, you can take that on as my accomplice or as my ally, but really this is about uh, recognizing the legacy of harm that has come to the use of that language, and um, and that also then means that that really only I get to use that if I'm part of that community, and coming to understand that as a part of shifting the identity of seeing my experience as tragic or as you know suffering from but really looking at that experience on the continuum of what it means to be human in this world um and it also you know again thinking about ideas of neurodiversity and how there are these sort of ideas around neurotypicality um right like where do people fit on that? Uh, maybe we fit somewhere again along this continuum. It's not either or. And I think that's what um, the author is also having us think about, is embracing that in ways uh, that haven't been allowed for in the past. Um, great conversation, folks. Anything else coming up uh, around the book or what's sort of shifting for you or maybe isn't shifting yet. What, uh, what, what did folks think about this sort of crip emotional intelligence? And, and how does that resonate for those of you in the room who, um, you know, I think Leah really wants us to consider the fact that things that disabled folks do uh, are oftentimes not valued. And the author wants us to really think about why is it that we don't value it? You know, what is ideas of productivity? What does it um, mean to be living in a capitalist world that does, you know, have these certain definitions around who's considered uh, productive or not? And really recognizing that there are things that uh, those of us who identify as crip, who identify as disabled, do to navigate the world that actually are quite incredible skills. 
And why haven't we thought about that before? So what did, what did folks think about sort of that part of the conversation? How does that resonate with what we're doing in this course? Hi. Hi, Michelle. Hi. It feels like all the skills that, that she's talking about are the skills that we are practicing and learning about. So they've really resonated. Uh, just her whole her whole worldview of of those of the intelligence of those skills um, was really inspiring, actually. Yeah. One of the thing, one of the things that she talked about, it made me think in in our um, integrative seminar class on Tuesday. Um, Karen Silverwoman came and spoke with us, mm-hmm. and she was talking about the uh, window of influence. Uh, not influence. What window of tolerance? Sorry. Okay. And it made me, a lot of this chapter in the book really made me think about uh, the window of tolerance. Like the, There was a, a section in, in the book where she talked about um, uh, many of us who are disabled are not particularly likable or popular, you know, that with, with everything that, that they're dealing with. It made me think of the window of tolerance that they have and that it's so it's requiring uh, compassion and an understanding uh, uh, with what people are coping with on a day, daily basis. And so to have these, uh, the, um, the emotional intelligence gives space for all of that. Great. Um, and, and, you know, I might ask, and this isn't to you specifically, like who gets to define the window of tolerance, right? That can really vary depending on who we are and thinking about sort of places of privilege. Um, yeah, thank you. Any, any other thoughts around that from folks? Did any of it resonate? Oh, hi. Okay. I feel like it has to do with stereotypes and the way society views those with disabilities or refer to themselves as crip. Okay. Those individuals are seen as not being able to get back. Yes. Yeah. And so I feel like when using skills that neurotypicals and able-bodied people haven't used, they can't really appreciate the work being done. Okay, sorry. No, that's great. Um, I, yeah, why do you think um, there is this sort of undervaluing of crip emotional intelligence as an example? I feel like it's all based on a capitalist view mm-hmm. and as another means to protect wealth. Yeah, interesting. 
Right. Um, I want to chime in um, from a former teacher's perspective, if I can, Fran. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, my students with disabilities were so um, relegated to other spaces. They were othered and then othered. And so my interactions were really limited to them as it took a, a while for them to be integrated in my classroom in a way where I could just see them as people. And so emotional intelligence wasn't even in my frame of reference for some time until I had a chance to get to know them. And then I could know them as individual people and begin to understand their their emotional intelligence individually, <laughs> as opposed right. to everybody goes under the same umbrella, right? I have a 52-year-old friend who has very limited emotional intelligence. It's challenging to be his friend because of that. And it's got, and he's in the process of healing. Um, a pretty significant trauma. So I don't say, okay, so I think it's the other and the othered, like the other squared of disappearing those students, disappearing that population in a physical sense, and then not having opportunity to be in relationship to. Right. But yeah, but making no assumptions about anyone's emotional intelligence. Does that, I don't, I don't know. That's my small chip in. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you, uh, Marguerite. Um, I think you raise a really important point is about, um, you know, from a very young age, many of us are othered. We are put in classes that are separate from our peers. And it really isn't, you know, this is my assumption, this is my theory. It isn't because we actually need to be separate. It is meant to actually make it more tolerable for the teachers to be able to work with us. Um, and so the students that don't get to have uh, or be in relationship oftentimes miss out in some really um, significant ways of not having those folks in their, in their class and in their lives. Um, and, there's, and Fran, if I can just add, there's also this misperceived um, discomfort um, that there's a caretaking going on in for students when I had the, um, I had some lovely students, um, and what it, what I noted were in the, some of my challenging students, some of my students who were really um, had been really impacted by trauma, who were really tough and bad. They were the loveliest supporters and scaffolders for the rest of us to pay attention to the fact that this was a being here, a whole being here. So it's an interesting move the whole of the mobile of dynamics in the classroom to get a different other experience. When, yeah, I don't know, I feel like I'm rambling, but anyway, um, a lot in that year for me to learn. Okay. We have a hand up from Zara. Yep. Yeah, hi everyone. Um, so I just want to give my impression of the book, I mean, as um, a till I don't know I mean, what page I am, but the thing is that when I'm reading the book, it's like, it, for me, it keeps reminding me of how, I mean, profit-oriented, ego-centered we are. And it's like, for us, it should be, if we want to help, it should be either, this is what we have been held from our childhood, it should be either, I mean, financial gain or emotional gain. 
Okay, so if it, even if I don't want the financial gain in helping, okay, other people, it's like, okay, if you help people, you would feel good. And this is not enough because I have got a daughter. And then I think that I, we should teach children to consider helping people who are, I don't know how to put it, kind of less unfortunate, I mean, less fortunate than us, okay, that this is not for financial gain. This is not for you to feel good that, yeah, I help someone else. This is a responsibility. And there should be no other options. And it's like, it should be like very, you know, it should, it should be normalized that we, ha- we have got this responsibility and then we should help each other regardless of, you know, our position. But as far as it's like, because uh, probably this is part of, I don't know, my upbringing. I don't know that. Yeah, if you help people, then you would go. I mean, that that's a nice act. And then it's kind of you would go to heaven, whatever. And this is this is quite bullshit. It, this is my responsibility as a human to help other. And then I'm reading this book and then thinking that it's just what should we do for our children? Because we need education. Without education in schools, nothing is going to happen. Because we are here in an academic, you know, you know, class, whatever, talking about this. Yeah, our understanding is good, whatever. But then what about our children, people outside this, you know, circle? So th- there, there must be some change. And yeah. And, you know, this... I mean, I feel, you know, I mean, it's just I feel rage all the time that, okay, we base everything on the profit gain. It's like, what is at the end of this for me? Yeah. And this is the the capitalism we are all stuck in. And this notion of being perfect, perfect in this, perfect in that. If you have got perfect body, perfect mind, okay, you are more intelligent than me. You You look better. And it's like, oh, my God, where are we heading to? Yeah. Zara, thank you. Yeah, oh my gosh, there's lots there to respond to. Um, I am uh, just looking. Uh, I, I, there's a there's something that if I can, before we go to the chat, um, and, and Marguerite, like I'm, I'm gonna uh, gently challenge you on something, if I, if I may. Uh, I think that I want us to be very mindful about this idea of trauma and how it relates to kids, young, you know, children, uh, whoever it is that we're working with, that I think we want to be mindful of the fact that we live in a world that many of us are not really meant to survive, that it has been very clear that we are not welcomed. Uh, And so therefore there are structures and there are systems that are designed intentionally to keep us out. And so um, I think trauma is, um, for some folks there can be, uh, you know, a deep impact, but I also think that we want to also remind ourselves that ableism and racism and sexism and heterosexism are all systems that are meant to keep certain bodies and minds away from really being part of the collective. And um, 
So if we actually had school systems that were designed in a way that included everybody, we would not have these separate pods for some kids. Um, we would not be having IEPs, for example. We would actually be having, um, you know, plans that work for everyone. And maybe that's my ideal world. But I want to go back to Zara, your point about how do we start to really create an opportunity where it isn't based in um, gain to actually work with people, but how do we support children to actually really see the value of being with other children who do move through the world differently, um, who do think differently. Uh, and, I, and I want you to be mindful of the, why I say differently as opposed to using you know, the labels that often get attached to folks. Um, Margaret, I see your hand. Um, I just wanted to, a couple of things. One is uh, Verlia is really struggling with oh. her internet. Okay. Um, there's something going on in her neighborhood where she keeps getting popped out. And so she has said, I, I don't know whether she can come in or not or wh whatever, but she did send me a message saying that uh, she's apologizing that she's not able to fully participate in this conversation. Um it is not a silence of discomfort, it is a silence of internet being crap <laughs> where she is right now. Um, and uh, and then uh, the other thing I wanted to check in was, um, did did we feel like we needed it's to take 10 a short break? Um, and, uh, and then I just, I didn't know if you wanted me to catch up with the comments in the yeah, um, chat. Um, and then I see a hand up with Angela, so. I see Verlia's back. Oh, hello, Verlia, hello. But Verlia can't um, engage. Okay, <laughs> all right. So um, I think this is where you, you learn sign language and this is where we all learn sign language. Yeah. So just this the chat messages being recorded. are uh, different comments about children and, and yep. teaching children to be, um, you know, to, 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 to care about each other and be humans and also uh, children can model to us. And um, folks, Tommy um, disclosed some information about meeting their is sister being recorded. Um, and the effects of uh, separation and segregation on her sister. Um, um, yeah, more stuff about school and, and accommodation and uh, changes in classrooms and lots of folks agreeing on those comments. So that's basically the chat. Okay, great. Thank you, Margaret. Um, I will take a break just after uh, we get to Angela. Hello, Angela. Hi, thank you. Um, I There's just a couple of comments that um, I wanted to voice out. Uh, I personal, in my opinion, is that I disagree that um, persons with disability and um, can't survive are not meant to survive in our systems. Um, people with my minority people of color um, are not meant to survive in 
um, society, I disagree completely with that. And the concept of capitalism um, comes in hand, not just in a financial sense, and I think that comes um, in forms of time. Um, for example, if we look at um, the school system, um, you had mentioned an, an IEP is implemented with um, students with disability in order for them to kind of function amongst uh, mainstream students. And a lot of times that particular tool of an IEP just takes extra time to implement. And I think that's where that capitalism idea, in my personal opinion, gets translated. Okay, um, thank you. I, I, I do want to respond to uh, the comment. I think that the author has clear, you know, often speaks about the fact that there are certain communities that because of structures and systems that uh, are part of colonialism, that are part of capitalism, um, do have um, less opportunity, uh, less feelings um, and opportunity to be included. Uh, are really, you know, when we look at, at um, racism, we look at the history of enslavement, um, that we know that there are, are groups of uh, black and indigenous people that are not meant to survive and they do. So I, I want to be clear that, um, you know, disabled folks because of eugenics, because of institutionalization, um, those are systems that have been designed to ensure that we don't survive. So, um, yeah, I, I think that we want to be mindful of that history that um, is part of people's experiences. Um, and they are surviving. And that is what the author is also reminding us is in, you know, although there have been these systems that have historically been designed um, to ensure our invisibility or our erasure, that we are still here. And yeah, Margaret. I just wanted to add to that as well, because I think I, I was mindful, I, I was thinking to myself, there's an assumption uh, that I make uh, when I say that um, we all know that the system you know, is made so that uh, that we're not meant to survive the system. And I'm, and I'm not sure that we all uh, uh, recognize the uh, critical analysis that comes behind that statement. And I so I, I feel like that's a conversation that we will engage in. You folks are, are some of you have had those conversations in other places and others of you uh, are having uh, that conversation for the first time in this program. This is a, a critical uh, analysis program that asks you to build this critical analysis and it is the baseline of feminist anti-oppression um, uh, frameworks is the an understanding of how these systems um, you know had have very specific uh, um, 
targets and very specific um, goals. And um, and so we, we will talk more about that. But I absolutely want to say thank you for kind of leaning in and, and saying that you disagree with that. Um, because I think that it's a complicated thing to say, and it's a very controversial thing to say, and that we are going to have more discussion about that. And what I'd like to say, Angela, and for those of you who are kind of thinking that or trying to wrestle with what the hell were we talking about, um, what are we trying to say, um, that maybe uh, what, I, what I'd like you to do is, is just kind of be open to hearing more about this critical analysis, and we'll talk more about it in probably all of your courses. Um, but I also was thinking that point about capitalism and time and the productivity, like of the times of productivity, which have, have you know, if we look at labor law and how labor law and labor processes are connected to education, you know, you've got that nine to five, which I guess it's different now because I keep seeing people leaving school across the street at 2.30 or something like that. But, <laughs> you know, but we have night school and we have overnight school and we have, you know, the fact that we're all um, doing school at, you know, in the middle of the night and there's this um, capitalism is absolutely uh, you know, our frame of reference for time, we were just even having the conversation because we, where did we go back or we, we fall back, right? So we lost an hour on our 24 hour clock. And I was, I had made the joke to somebody and said, well, at least you'll be able to save on firewood and your lamp oil. And they didn't know what I was talking about, right? I was being really sarcastic, but you know, the reason that we have this time change is because before we had electricity or whatever, <laughs> people were living on farms, you, you wanted a reason to go to bed earlier so you could save on your lamp oil, right? <laughs> and so here we are in 2020, still doing that. And that is directly, the way we tell time, directly connected to capitalism. So your point about that, and I, uh, you know, people are making comments in the, chat about not giving people time in education systems absolutely right because the education systems are created to make you a good worker for capitalism so it's directly you know they're they're training you up to respond like that and be fast and efficient um great thank you margaret um i am wondering if we could take a uh, 10, 15, 10 minute? Do folks feel like 10 minutes is reasonable or do you want 15? Uh, let's go with 12. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm okay with even 10, but uh, I would really appreciate a break. I <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, okay, so it is now, I think, almost 10 to. Let's come back at uh, oh, let's just make it 15. Let's come back at 25 after 10. Okay. All right, folks. Thank you. Good conversations. Um, and yes, thank you for leaning into some conversations that, you know, might be challenging. Um, but that's what this is. That's what the work is about. So thank you. All right. We'll see you at 1025.